You're listening to Let's Talk Cuyahoga, a podcast that explores county initiatives and pulls back the curtain to reveal the work and the people who are driving Cuyahoga County forward. This month, we ask the question, what is Cuyahoga County's role in finding permanent support for children in our care? I'm Dawn Calavini from the Communications Department. We'll be talking to a resident who has experience with foster care and adoption in Cuyahoga County. But first, let's get some background. Joining me now to talk about our work with children, with potential families, and with the adoption process are Karen Anderson and Beverly Torres, both Deputy Directors of the Division of Children and Family Services. Welcome to you both. Hi, good afternoon. Beverly, I'd like to start with you, and Karen, please feel free to jump in as well. Our latest numbers show around 900 children in Cuyahoga County are in need of a permanent home. The first goal is to try and safely reunite a child with their caregiver, but there are times that this isn't possible. So can you talk about that process and those decisions? Sure, I can begin. Um, We absolutely always try to reunify children with their biological family. We feel that being with kin is the most important factor for a child and their stability. And when children enter into our custody, our first goal is to try to place them with kin so that they don't have to be in a foster home. When that does not work... Um, then we are looking towards foster care or congregate care like a group setting. And our goal is always to reunify with family. When that cannot happen safely, then we do ask our juvenile court for a termination of parental rights. That means that Cuyahoga County becomes the parent of that child. And when we become the parent, we owe that child a forever family. And so we have 900 children in our permanent custody whose parental rights have been terminated. And luckily, we have been able to identify adoptive families for 600 of those children. And so we currently are looking for 300 homes um, for children who are in need of a permanent family. And, you know, the way that you lay it out, it kind of sounds like adoption is a a last resort. But really, for the families who want to open their hearts and their homes to these kids, it's not. I mean, this is a a new beginning, right? It Certainly it can be. And, um, you know, adoption is certainly for children, but I also recognize it's a way for parents to build their family or for adults to build their family. And yet, I think we, as the agency who are charged with care for the children, really have to take the view that adoption is for children, it's not for parents. And we always are looking for homes for a specific child. We're not parents. We want them to step up. We want to be helpful. We want to work with them. But it's not our job to find them a child, if that makes sense. And I think that keeps us really values-based in terms of our work in making sure that we have the, uh, the right family for the right child. And that's really one of the distinctions between the work that we're doing in Cuyahoga County and, say, an adoption agency, because, you know, they're working for the parents for the most part, and Cuyahoga County's working for the kids, and and you said that quite well. Can you um, talk about the kids in our care, because um, many of them have been through traumatic experiences. I mean, certainly any kind of separation from family can can be traumatic. I mean, what's their day-to-day like? 
while they're waiting for placement. A day-to-day for a child who is in foster care is just like a day-to-day for any child. They go to school, they participate in after-school activities, they participate in sports. Um, They are just carrying around with them a little extra trauma. And so adoptive families really need to be able to meet a child where they're at. And so one day they might be having a great day and the next day they might struggle a little bit because of that separation. And so families really need to be able to be flexible and understand that, you know, every kid's going to have a bad day and how they need to support that child may be different from another child they have in their home because every child, you know, experiences that trauma in different ways whether it be emotionally, behaviorally, they may shut down. And so a family's really got to be in tune with the child's needs that they are interested in adopting. I know there are a lot of people who've probably thought about adoption and um, maybe they're afraid to start the process or they might have misconceptions. What are the questions that you get from potential families who are starting to look into it? A few common questions. One is, does it cost money, right? So When you adopt through a county or a state child welfare system, there is no cost. There will be costs for ancillary things like you have to have a medical exam. Of course, you're going to have to pay your doctor. Um, In some some places, you'll have to retain an attorney. But there are ways to get that uh, money reimbursed. So generally speaking, it's almost a cost-free experience. So that's always one question because I think people hear things about, you know, international or infant adoption that can cost twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000, and they wonder if that's the same. I think another common question is, what about the birth family? And people are afraid. Again, they've looked on, watched television, read horror stories. You know, birth families are part of our children. Right, They come from a family, they've been with a family, and yes, that family couldn't safely care for that child, but it doesn't mean they're unsafe to be involved with a child over the long haul. In adoption, a parent, an adoptive parent is the legal parent. They make all the decisions the same as if a child were born to them. But the difference with adoption is this child comes with a totally different identity and, a, and a, an identity that has to be integrated. And so working with birth families, sometimes birth parents will see a child. They'll come to a child's birthday celebration. Sometimes it's engaging with a sibling that the, you know, the child has been separated from. So there's lots of ways, but I think that's a common misconception conception among parents like oh the birth family can come get the child no they can't come get the child but they certainly when it's safe and appropriate we want them to be involved Um, and I think um, the other question they often have is will there be support like right what if this child has you know a lot of uh, as Bev said you know they're recovering from trauma and other things like am I going to be out there alone and the answer is no we are available. There are we are able to link families to resources. We have a a pretty robust um, post adoption support group, and um, that can help families with that. And so, 
you know, I think those are sort of the top questions. Sure. Well, and anybody coming into a situation like this has to realize that every case is completely different. Every child is completely different. Right. Um, so how do you get to know this child and um, find the best fit for them? Because as you said, in your work, you're working for the child. Absolutely. I can talk about that. So every family um, that wants to be considered for adoption does have to get an adoptive home study. And that process really dives deeply into the family and um, their family makeup. Um, So they get an adoptive home study. And so if they are interested in a child, the, our agency receives that home study to be able to read a little bit about that family and decide this seems like a good match for our child. And then we um, conduct a meeting called an adoption matching conference where we, the family does not come to the meeting, but the um, family is represented by the person who completes that home study. And we talk about the child and the child's needs and decide if it's a good match. And if it is a good match, um, then we do sit down with the family and we basically go over um, that child's entire record, birth records, medical records, um, school records, and we allow the family time to read through that information to decide if they want to go forward. Um, And if they do decide they want to go forward, then we get to set up visits. Um, You know, we sometimes have those visits on a neutral setting. Sometimes they'll be in the home. And then we gradually um, integrate them into the family with overnight visits and um, continue to ensure that that family is able to meet the child's needs. Um, And then we can move forward with the adoption process and the legal finalization at probate court for the adoption. Okay, so it is, it's very much a a process, and all parties are, you know, being a part of it and probably providing feedback to you all to make sure that, you know, everything's going as it it should be. Yes. Um, Karen, you mentioned the um, support that's available for adoptive families. I'm sure there are a lot of, you know, questions that come up as they go through this. We, of course, help parents get connected to a really good therapist. We help parents um, understand the needs of trauma and what, you know, behavior looks like without physical discipline or other things, right? But it's sometimes it's those really small things. Um, and it is really just working with a family over time. And I do, I do, we do always recommend that the family get involved with a really good adoption a competent therapist, that they go to support groups. There are some great ones. Adoption Network Cleveland is one that has um, groups for parents. And so I think, you know, those are places that families can not only get the support once they adopt, but educate themselves ahead of time. Read. There are some terrific books out there. Um, Adopting the Hurt Child. It's an oldie but goodie. It's a, it's, it, it does a good job of really talking about what it's like to, a, to adopt a child that's been disconnected emotionally. Um, so, Well, and, and let's talk about some of the trends, too, in, in the children who do come into our care because um, the placement's been a little more challenging for certain populations. Uh, we hear about teens a lot in Cuyahoga County, but also um, sometimes sibling groups 
are coming available. Um, children with special needs, children with medical needs, as you said, you know, sometimes the um, potential expenses there could seem a little daunting um, for someone. And also um, LGBTQIA plus identification. Um, some of the kids who come into our care have not had the support for their identification at home, and that's part of the problem. Um, I realize that's a, a lot, you know, sure. but in terms of uh, the kids who are coming into our care, what what is um, what trends are you seeing, and how are we dealing with that? I, you know what, I'll start with the LGBTQIA youth, and Bev, you can pick it up with the siblings and teens, um, but a national survey was done um, uh, with our youth who are in care that are over the age of 12 in Cuyahoga County. It was called the Cuyahoga Youth Count. It identified that 32% of our kids in foster care identify somewhere as, you know, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, questioning. That's a huge number that I think we really do need to pay attention to. And many of those youth have been rejected by their families of origin. And, you know, the Trevor, uh, the Trevor uh, Project did a study several years ago, and it found that 45% of young people who are LGBTQ um, have contemplated suicide. That drops by half when they have a supportive and affirming home right? One third of transgender young people in that um, survey said their home, only one in three said their home was affirming. And so when we think about adoptive families, it is really important to not just have a family, but to have a family that's affirming, right? Because kids, when they come into foster care, even for the best of reason, right? Even with families who maybe care deeply, but couldn't care for them, they feel rejected, right? And then they come into care because of abuse or because their parents didn't, you know, couldn't manage their sexual orientation or gender identity. They've been rejected again. And so to put them then in an adoptive home where the same thing happens would be negligent. And um, so we are always recruiting. And families don't have to be a same-sex couple, right, to be affirming. There are lots of single people, heterosexual couples, who are very affirming and can offer that to a young person. So that is a really specialized area that we're really trying to, to develop. Yes, and um, a couple of other groups where we're seeing a need for adoptive families. Um, of the 300 children that are available, about one-third are part of a sibling group, and over half are over the age of 13. And what I think is really important for families to understand is that young people don't ask to not have a family. They don't ask to be in this situation. Um, you know, we don't want them to be in the situation, but unfortunately, as a custodial agency, we are the persons that have to make sure that they're safe. And again, we do owe them a forever family, and we do believe that there is a family out there for every single child. And so I think it's important for families to understand if they are interested in a larger sibling group or if they're interested in teenagers. Teenagers are going through hormonal changes. So they are going to have normal teenage struggles on top of feeling rejected, like Karen was saying. Like, my birth family doesn't want me. Where do I fit in? And so 
families, you know, really need to be sensitive to regular teenage things, regular sibling rivalry on top of that feeling of rejection and just being able to meet a child where they're at. Um, a, a child that's placed with their sibling might not feel that stress as much as someone that's separated from their sibling. They might. You really have to get to know a child just like you would do your own child. You know, I want to go back to something that you were talking about in terms of um, the types of families. Do we have any limitations on who can adopt in Cuyahoga County? Families can be single. They can be married. They can live in an apartment. They don't have to own a home. Um, so there are there's a lot more flexibilities, but there are some um, things that would disqualify a person from adopting, maybe something in their past criminally, but not all criminal past would cause you not to be able to adopt. So we would definitely recommend if somebody's interested in adopting, don't just think because I have a criminal background, I would never be able to adopt. That is not accurate. Uh, we definitely would love for people to reach out to our recruitment line, uh, 216 881-5775 and begin to have some of those conversations. Just don't rule yourself out because you think something in your past might disqualify you. So somebody does um, hear this, they're interested, they want to find out more and, and they reach out on the recruitment line. What's the next step? They would um, be given, you know, a lot of information. We do have, um, it's a state requirement that families uh, go to classes, but those can be done online or virtually or in person. Um, and so there are some required topics that families have to do. And then you've heard us mention home study, and I know that's always like, what is that? Really, it's, I think some, the family probably feels like, wow, it's an assessment of me. Mm -hmm. But as someone who's done a number of home studies throughout my career, I've always thought of it as an interactive process, an educational process, right? Yes, I do have an obligation to ask you about your past. I have an obligation to um, make sure that your home is safe, you know, that you have smoke detectors, things like that. But I also want you to really be well prepared and educated about the adoption process. And I think one of the, the pieces is for families to be introspective. You know, why, I mean, that's where I would really say to a family, start there. What is my motivation to adopt? I'm sure that there are days that are so challenging for you both um, over the years, but I'm sure there are also days that make everything worthwhile. Um, which, do you have any success stories that, that you'd be willing to share or a family that just is going to stay with you forever? Sure. Um, I can begin. Actually, this just happened today. Uh, we have today. Today, yes. Be right before we arrived here, um, we received information from an adoptive family who uh, last year adopted a sibling group of two, um, who are preteen. Um, they have another sibling who has had a little bit more struggles, um, and he is currently receiving a little more therapeutic treatment um, in a congregate care setting, so a little bit of a more structured setting. And that adoptive family um, is wanting to start the adoption process for that brother. So they really want to keep all three of the siblings together, and that's 
an awesome story to hear you can have a child with some extra struggles and they still have a family out there that wants to help get them through that process. So that speaks volumes to me. I I love it when, you know, we can safely keep siblings together in an adoptive family. And I imagine that a lot of it had to do with the children that they'd already adopted and just seeing that tie and how important it would be to their growth. Absolutely. Being able to see siblings during visitation and seeing the bond they have is hard to walk away from. It really is. Do you have one for us, Karen? Um, You know, this happened a number of years ago, but it it does stick with me. We had a a young child, you know, six months old that had some very severe um, neurological deficits and he wasn't expected to live a long time you know maybe to three four five and we had um, adoptive families who stepped up and I think you know some of our kids who are really total care you know have major deficits unfortunately end up in a place like a child nursing home or other things and I'm grateful for those but I often think back like how lucky was Christopher right that he had a family who would care for him through it all into the end and those are the families that I'm just incredibly grateful for and Bev and I were actually um, talking just thinking about you know, coming down here. And I I said a number of years ago, someone said to me, um, Karen, do you believe there's somebody out there for everybody to get married or, you know, partnered up? And I was like, I mean, yeah, I guess so. Right. You think I have some quirky friends, like, but there's probably (laughs) somebody quirky. Mm -hmm. And, and she said to me, why isn't that true for our kids? And that is true for our kids. And I think we have to be the one to hold hope when our kids have lost it. Or maybe even our workers have lost it because they've been so day-to-day with a child and they are seeing this young person struggle and their trauma. Um, So we do have to hold that and we do have to believe. Absolutely. Beverly Torres and Karen Anderson are deputy directors from Cuyahoga County's Division of Children and Family Services. I want to thank you both so much for sharing all this great information. And next up, we'll be speaking with a resident who has navigated the adoption process more than once. She has a remarkable story. You're listening to Let's Talk Cuyahoga. This is County Executive Chris Ronane. I'm so inspired by our team members at Health and Human Services who recruit, train and support foster and adoptive parents. They're making such a positive difference in the lives of the kids in our care. If you've ever thought that it might be something you'd like to explore, we've got information on the adoption process and resources at cuyahogacounty.gov slash podcast. Welcome back to Let's Talk Cuyahoga. We've been discussing Cuyahoga County's role in finding permanent support for children in our care. Joining me now is Christina Ivaskovic, who knows a lot about the adoption process in Cuyahoga County and what it takes for a family to open their hearts to children who need a home. Christina, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it and um, just am excited to hear your story. So where, where do we start? Um, I guess in the beginning... Um we decided to um, foster to adopt. Um, we got into this for adoption and to help other children um, out in need. Um, 
I had knew a few people in the past um, that had adopted children, and um, my fiance and I were very interested. So we started our process, um, took our classes, and um, we got a phone call, and we took um, in three three boys. Um, they were the ages of one and a half, six, and eight, and they had told us they had two older brothers um, in another foster home. And I said, oh, wow, you know, I didn't really want them separated and they didn't want to be separated for them. So I had uh, made a few phone calls and had said that, is there any way that we'd be able to bring their siblings with us? Um, So two months later, they were able to make that happen where their two older brothers were able to come with us. Um, um, So we ended up with five boys and then the biological mother had gotten pregnant and had a baby girl and we were able to get the baby girl at six months. Wow. So you started out probably (laughs) having this thought of of how things were going to go. You became um, all approved and did everything you needed to do to become foster parents. And then before you know it, you've got six kids. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That must have been an amazing first year. (laughs) It was. It was was just actually awesome. I have no other word for it. Um, Just to see children grow with you and, you know, just for them to look up to you. And, you know, they they looked up to, you know, my fiance and Tim is his name. And, you know, they, they loved him you know, the father figure who played football with them and, you know, showed them how to, you know, we make haunted houses every year for the kids for, you know, to invite their friends over. And, you know, they were like, wow, this is really cool. We get to help with this. And, you know, they had ideas for it and made things and um, just, you know, everywhere we took them, we took them to Disney World and they were just, I mean, they were all, you know, I was in tears myself. We were just crying because, you know, this was like one of the best vacations to, be on and for them to, you know, be at a magical place, number one, and all of us together, it was just, it was just great. I mean, there's no other words for it. It's, you know, and all the kids were together and that's what made them happy and um, us happy is that, you know, we, we got to keep all the children together um, and, you know, they, they loved us, number one, for that. And, you know, they loved us just showing them things and, you know, just the, the, the joy in their face, you know, that, you know, they get to, you know, see people that they get to look up to and love and that love them. And I'd like to just go back a little bit farther just to know a little mm-hmm. bit more about you and your partner. Um, do you, did you come from a big family? I mean, what was it that, that drove you to want to start the process of um, becoming a foster and then adoptive parent? Um, so um, Tim came from a bigger family. Um, he's actually got nine uh, siblings. Um, I have uh, three other siblings, so there were four of us growing up. Um, my family actually used to help, like, you know, like my uh, few kids in the neighborhood that didn't have much. My family would kind of, you know, take other people in um, and help them out, like, financial-wise or um, just, you know, with, with presents for Christmas and things like that. So I was used to being around, you know, like, my parents helping other people that were in need. So that kind of got me, you know, started, like, you know, back then, you know, thinking like, you know, wow, I want to do this one day, like my parents do, like help other people, you know, we'd always take things to like the homeless shelters and to um, the women and children's um, places. My father used to go and take, you know, presents there and things like that to help people out. Um, 
And um, I did have problems getting um, pregnant. Um, so that was one of the things we talked about. I didn't want to go through, you know, all the needles and things like that through IVF. I, um, I talked to some people I knew that adopted. So I, you know, Tim and I talked and, you know, we both knew we wanted a big family. Um, we like, we love children. So we wanted to be, you know, make sure we had, you know, a lot of kids. Um, Tim actually has a, a son, um, also that, so we actually have eight kids. Um, so, uh, he's, uh, 20, the age of 23 and, um, you know, he loved the idea of us, you know, helping other children out and now they're his siblings too. And he just loves it as well. Um, so that's how we kind of got started. Um, it was, you know, just the thought, you know, we wanted a big family and, you know, we were talking about adoption. Even if I was able to get pregnant, we were still wanting to adopt. And when you start that process, there must be some doubts in your mind, you know, some some questions and things. And you, you did have the experience of having some friends who'd been through the process. But what were some of the concerns that, that went through your mind as you were going on this journey? Um, so you first, you know, you first get scared a little bit because you don't know um, if the children um, sometimes go back to the biological family because that's the case plan is for them to go back. Yes, when you're um, a foster parent. Just, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I, you know, we wanted this for adoption. Of course, you're going to get it, you're going to get attached to any child, no matter what. And we just wanted to make sure, like, you know, okay, if they did go back, we, you know, we wanted to be in good standing and be able to get to see them in their journey through the future as well. You know, because you, like I said, you, you get that initial attachment to them, um, no matter what. And um, you know, and then you know things that the children tell you. You know, you're you kind of get scared for them if they go back. Um, for some didn't come from homes that were um, very good to them. Um, our kids were in that situation where um, they didn't want to uh, go back. They had a very uh, traumatizing life. Um, you know, even to this day, they tell us about things that had happened and, you know, walking the streets at such young ages. And, um, you know, it's very traumatizing to them even now. Um, and they know they'll never have to, you know, beg for food again. Um, that was one of the biggest things, too. You know, they used to hoard food in their rooms and, um, you know, they'd only eat like half and then save the half because they weren't sure when they were going to eat again. So it took a while to break them of that. And we just reassured them that you'll never go hungry, you know, with us. And, you know, so it was, it was big, you know, big changes. You just, you know, you feel your first thing is you feel bad. You know, you're like, oh, my God, you know, this, this really happened you know, that children don't get fed. Um, and, you know, it, this, this whole process just taught us a lot. We grew with the children and we, you know, like I said, every day we're growing and every day they tell us, you know, something new, something, anything to trigger their minds. Sure. Um, and it's just, it's just great, you know, and they have good memories too, you know, not all of it was bad. Um, but, um, you know, but, you know, they always appreciate, you know, that's one thing about, about them. They, they just want to be loved. They want, you know, they, they don't want to have to, you know, be the age of 11 and 12 and taking care of their own siblings. You know, they want, they want to be able to play themselves. And, and that's in our case, what happened, you know, the older children had to take care of the younger ones and they never knew what it was like to be a child. And then, you know, so it takes, you know, just a few months to reassure them like, you know, Hey, now you're, is your time to be a child, you know, we're the, you know, guardian or, or parent and, you know, it, we're taking this role over. You no longer have to do that. 
And I know um, some people who go into the adoptive process are concerned about um, how they're going to incorporate a biological parent into their child's life if that's something that's going to happen. And every case is different. Is is that something that you've had to deal with? Um, yes. I'm, there's always questions um, for them, especially um, they're a little bit older. Um, they have questions on, you know, why this happened to them. Why did they do that to them? Um, they do want to get in, um, in contact. Um, we, in our case, we do know the uh, biological family um, just from having them. We, we had to, you know, we went to visits with them and things like that. And, you know, people change. And um, I tell the kids, you know, if they decide to talk one day, we are going to be there for them. Um, I don't want anything bad happening to them. Um, don't want them going down those same paths. Um, we just reassure them that, you know, we'll always love them. Um, but, I mean, those are going to be questions that, you know, they're going to have. The younger ones don't have those type of questions, but the older ones, you know, because they remember a lot more things that happened and they remember the good times as well as the bad. Yeah. But it's always going to be, you know, on, you know, both minds, like what, what could happen, what's going to happen. But we don't, um, we don't live like that to like, you know, think of those things. And we just re- keep reassuring them, like if they want to one day, um, we understand and um, we'll be there for them um, as long as they're not getting hurt in the process. Of course. So as you've gone on this path, um, how long has it been since, since it started? How long have you had so, the kids? How many years? Since 2000, 2018. Okay. In that time, can you, you know, share a couple things that just really surprised you or um, that you were particularly felt like the kids were delighted by the home that you were providing? Yes. Um, their first um, thing was um, they said, uh, wow, you don't have any um, bugs in this house. And I said, <laughs> what do you mean bugs? And, you know, they grew up with like bed bugs and roaches. And I said, oh, you know, really? And um, you know, and as you know, like people can, like when children first come to your home, they can actually bring those with you. Sure. And um, it happened to be in one of the boys' bags and one came out and I screamed and they were like, what's the matter? You know, and I was like, oh my, it's a bug, it's a bug. And they're like, oh, it's not a problem. That's just a roach. And I was like, oh, well, I don't have roaches here, <laughs> you know? So I took alarm to it and I wasn't expecting, you know, one to just come out of a bag and, um, you know, they lived with it and then no one. You know, that's one thing that they had told uh, their county worker um, at the time was, you know, they were just, they never seen somebody clean and um, they were like, there's just no bugs here. We don't have to worry about food. And they are like, wow, like our clothes are clean. They never smell. And, you know, they had to deal with these things with like animals um, urinating on their clothes and things. And, um, you know, they were just in shock by, you know, how clean they're like, it doesn't smell in here, nothing, you know, they were just shocked by all of that. And their faces were... Something that so many of us take for granted. Yes, yes. And, you know, like I said, it was just, it it was horrible, the things that they had seen and went through. And, um, you know, they've seen a lot of drug abuse, um, alcohol abuse, um, other things that, you know, were were going on. Um, It was filthy and they weren't being fed. Um, So... You know, they, they, they went through a lot. And for children who go for a lot, you would never have thought that, you know, how kind they actually were and well-mannered. And, you know, the fact that they appreciated us, um, 
was, you know, they, they, you know, they give you that two weeks where they kind of, they kind of test you in their first two weeks. And, you know, a lot of people might give up on that. And, you know, we were just like, no, this is, you know, this is normal. This is, you know, they, they went through a lot and, but you know, they're trying to trust you. They, they don't know you. Um, they're just, they're feeling, they feel you out at first. Sure. And, you know, so, you know, so you do hear, you know, the, they'll kind of curse at you and, you know, be mean at first. And once they start seeing like, wow, this, these people care and, you know, they're here for me and they're allowing me to do this. That's when they start realizing and they come down and start telling you that's when they start opening up and telling you things is once they feel that they can trust you. I imagine the first uh, round of holidays was interesting. Yes. Um, our boys said they didn't believe in Santa Claus because they never had anything. And um, to watch their faces when they had their first Christmas with us, it was it was amazing. I mean, we we decorate, you know, for Christmas we had a big tree, and I mean they were excited about that. But when Christmas morning came and they seen their presents, they were like, "Oh my God, Santa is real!" They're waking up their other siblings, and every single boy had their faces lit up and were in shock and they said Santa comes here Santa comes here and they were just I mean just to see their faces it was just it was just a beautiful moment and it seems like you you might have another big occasion to celebrate coming up because you and your partner you referred to him as as your fiance but you've you're getting yeah. a little pressure you're getting a little pressure from in the house <laughs> right yes <laughs> yes they can't wait they want us to you know, be married and seal the deal. And um, we're obviously going to have our children in the wedding, so they're excited about that. Um, they've never, you know, experienced even going to a wedding, so they're um, very happy. And um, and by the way, one of our sons actually has a baby, so I'm a grandma now, too. Oh, my goodness. I'll bet so, you never yeah. expected that would happen <laughs> no. so quickly anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, yes, his, his baby is... Um, 10 months old and he's actually his fiance so they are also getting married and our oldest son is going into the military next year so he's a senior this year and um in high school um and he is um very excited about starting his future with his um future wife and their baby that's beautiful so yeah. <laughs> is there anything, I mean, I'm sure that, you know, anybody who meets you and has learned about your experience, um, you know, has many questions for you, but what would you tell somebody who's thinking that, um, you know, fostering or adopting is something that they'd like to look into? Definitely do it. It's, it's just a wonderful thing to do. It's, it's, it's about more than just helping out you know, a child or adopting, you know, just saying, okay, this child's mine. It's just helping out these kids that just want to be loved and to show them that love is something, you know, that is going to be forever and to let them, you know, grow and be able to see a different type of life to be able to know that, you know, they can be somebody when they get older and, you know, you, they can do anything that they'd want to do. And that's all, that these children want is just to be shown love and the encouragement that they can do anything they put their minds to. Christina Ivoskovic is an adoptive parent with an amazing family adventure still in progress. Christina, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and with your story. Thank you so much. 
You can find out more about the adoption process in Cuyahoga County, foster care, kinship care, and all of the options available to families who are open to exploring how they can make a difference in the life of a child. Visit cuyahogacounty.gov podcast. Let's Talk Cuyahoga is a podcast that explores Cuyahoga County initiatives and the people who make them happen. This episode was produced by the Cuyahoga County Health and Human Services, Multimedia and Communications teams. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss our next episode. If you have any comments or questions about this podcast, or maybe a topic you'd like us to take on in a future episode, email communications at cuyahogacounty.us. Let's Talk Cuyahoga.